From KCLU, this is The 101, a podcast where we journey up and down Highway 101 along California's central and south coasts, sharing discovery stories and conversations. From Simi Valley to Santa Barbara to San Luis Obispo and beyond. I'm your host, Michelle Loxton. It's season four, a season about consequences. Before we begin, a warning that this episode includes descriptions of rape and other sex crimes that may be very upsetting and disturbing to sensitive listeners. The tiny seaside town of Muscle Shoals, located between the cities of Ventura and Santa Barbara, is mostly known for its tight-knit community and homes with direct access to the beach. There's also this long pier that extends out into the ocean that used to be used for oil extraction. There's a house right by the entrance to that pier that a wealthy man used to live in two decades ago. He doesn't live there anymore because he's in prison. You see, when police received a tip and they searched that house, they discovered dozens of videotapes and photos of unconscious women being sexually assaulted and raped, with video commentary by the rapist. And he's talking to the camera and he makes a comment, something to the effect of, you know, nothing better than like Christmas time, you know, kind of points over his shoulder to a beautiful girl passed out um, and makes reference about, you know, like unboxing his present. Because these victims were unconscious or at least intoxicated at the time, many of them didn't know what had happened to them. When detectives were able to track them down, they had to inform them about the sexual assaults. They had me come down to the station. They showed me a still frame of me um, unconscious. It's like watching a, a horror movie. Like um, It's almost like I. it seemed like I was going to be killed or something. In this episode of The 101, we revisit one of Ventura County's most high-profile crimes, the crimes of Andrew Luster. What happened to the victims? What consequences were paid? We also learn where the story picks up today. From an Iraq war cover-up to towns ravaged by opioids to the roots of our modern immigration crisis, Embedded explores what's been sealed off and undisclosed. NPR's original investigative podcast reveals why these stories and the people behind them matter. Listen to the Embedded podcast only from NPR. This is The 101. I'm Michelle Oxton. I'd only been assigned to major crimes for maybe about a year, year and a half when I received this case. This is Melissa Smith, then a captain with the Ventura County Sheriff's Office. She's now retired. Smith was working on child abuse and sexual assault cases when she was notified about a potential crime from the neighboring county in July of 2000. I first received a call from the Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Office as they had initially received a call from our victim. She was a student at the college, the university at UCSB. They had spoken to her and got an initial statement and they determined that the crime had occurred in Ventura County. Smith wanted to meet with the college student. 
When she did, the student described a recent night out with her male friend. They went to a bar on State Street in Santa Barbara. And while they were dancing, a male had approached who we now know was Andrew Lester. At some point, he offered her a drink. And actually, they both took a drink, both her male companion and herself. And she just said she felt different, more intoxicated than she would have anticipated she would have because prior to that, she'd only had like one or two drinks and she's had one or two drinks before and has never felt that way. Melissa Smith believed this was consistent with the effects of a date rape drug like GHB. The rest of the night was a blur for the student with only snippets of memories. There are recollections of leaving with her friend, Andrew Luster, and another friend of Luster's who joined the party. They made stops at another club, the Muscle Shoals Pier, and then ultimately ending up at Luster's home. She recalls going uh, into the residence and him placing her into the shower. And the next thing she knew, you know, he had also entered the shower and was forcing himself on her. And that's where he initially started the sexual assault um, that continued throughout the night. The police also interviewed the student's male friend to corroborate what happened that night and set up a call between the college student and Luster with the police listening in just to establish the connection between the student and Luster. With all of this... We believed we had enough, for, you know, beyond enough for a search warrant to search his residence. They were hoping to find things at Luster's residence that would corroborate the student's story. They found much more. Drugs, weapons. But it was the photos and videos that were most damning. A ton of photos. We found photo albums um, consistent with, um, you know, some were of his vacation and, you know, family photos. And then he also had photos of women who appeared to be unconscious in various um, states. The team found hundreds of videos. Some of them were commercial type videos. Um, a lot of them called, I think they're called Waves and Babes, where he would just, they were surf videos and, you know, women clad in bikini videos. And then he had one video in particular that piqued our interest. That video had a label on it that read Shona GH Being. At the time, we didn't know who it was. It was a female who was obviously passed out on a bed. She looked unconscious. Um, you could actually hear her snoring. You see him um, manipulating the camera like he wants to get it just right. He wants to get the lighting just right. At one point, he um, gets onto the front foot of the bed and, and he's talking to the camera and he talk, makes a comment, something to the effect of, you know, nothing better than you know, like Christmas time, you know, unwrapping a present. And he makes reference, he kind of points over his shoulder to a beautiful girl passed out and makes reference about, you know, like unboxing his present, you know. And just before he turns, he says, you know, I'm ready, are you? And he points his finger, like, you know, to the, to the camera. And then he proceeds to do a multitude of sexual um, 
acts on the victim. Smith says at some stage during the video, it looked like the woman was waking up and Luster would quickly jump off the bed. When she didn't regain consciousness, he would resume the assault. There were dozens of these videos and photos of different women. Some, police believe, of women assaulted outside the country. With this overwhelming evidence, Andrew Luster was arrested. At first, detectives didn't know they had taken a very high-profile individual into custody. It wasn't until they started receiving calls from the press that they looked into who exactly Andrew Luster was. We started doing our homework a little bit more to figure out who he was and realized that um, he had a lot, you know, access to a lot more money. That's because Andrew Luster is the great-grandson of Max Factor, the founder of the cosmetics empire. When Luster was initially arrested, Melissa Smith interviewed him for many hours. And, you know, my approach to him was just, you know, I just kind of wanted to know, you know, what transpired. And I kind of came across with, I don't know, there's this girl making all these allegations. And, you know, um, that's the approach that I kind of went with him and let him kind of lead Luster had a bit of an attitude, Smith said. I describe Mr. Luster as being very cocky, very arrogant. I think that his upbringing, he believes that he is above everyone else um, and smarter. But I think... You know, he comes from an affluent family and hasn't really had to work or do anything. And I think everybody else is, a, you know, is below him. So, Luster initially denied giving the student any drugs and said everything that had occurred that night was consensual. But, you know, one of the things that is important about this case is that, you know, these women were intoxicated and were not able to give consent. I mean, and it's clearly obvious by looking at the videotapes, when someone is passed out, they don't have the ability to give you consent to do the things that he did. Luster posted bail and was put under a form of house arrest while the investigation continued. Meanwhile, detectives had their work cut out for them. To form a really strong case, they needed to find the woman in these tapes. I wanted to find Shauna. They went through his address books, calling all the Shawners. And they had to proceed with caution. They were looking to find someone who had been raped and perhaps didn't know it. So we really had to delicately ask questions of these women that we spoke to. It was months later that my partner actually spoke to, and it was just these phone calls that we were doing that someone said, hey, it could be this person. And so he happened to call this number and it happened to be a relative of Shauna's. And that's how we were connected to her. That was, that was probably our biggest milestone. Shauna agreed to testify. They needed to find other victims. So the police appealed to the public for additional information. One more woman came forward.
I grew up in San Diego County after I graduated from high school and then moved to Arizona um, for a little bit. That was right before I met Andrew. I met Tanya Bolden at her home in Ventura County. It feels like a very welcoming place. We sit on comfy chairs with a fluffy carpet under our feet. Tanya is a slender woman, about 50 years old, with long blonde hair. She's an artist who creates these wonderful portraits of people with charcoal and graphite pencil. Some of her art adorns the walls of her home. She's very popular and has a waiting list a year long. I've been drawing since I was two years old. And um, fortunately, I'm able to do that for a living now. So, um, but anything creative is what I'm interested in. So gardening too and cooking and all of that. She tells me she's always wanted to be a mom. And so I've got two kids and, and been married 25 years and couldn't be happier. But Tanya takes me back to October 1996, when she was 23 years old. She'd come to Santa Barbara to visit her younger sister, who was studying at UCSB. They decided to go for a night out on State Street. Andrew Luster approached her at a nightclub. He was um, friendly, and as I talked to him a bit, he's very charming, very intelligent, easy to talk to, just a great sense of humor, and um, clever, and uh, just really an all-around pretty interesting person to talk to. I felt totally comfortable with him. There was no inkling of danger or anything like that. A group of Tanya, her sister, Luster, and a friend of his all hung out together that night, ending up at Luster's home. Because they got along so well, Luster and Tanya spent the next five days together. Eventually, she decided to leave Arizona and move in with him, at least temporarily. The plan was Tanya would stay with Luster until she got a job in her own place. While they were living together, red flags started to pop up. One of the biggest ones for me was there was a a hallway in his house that went out to where the garage was, kind of laundry room area. And it was a part of the house you normally didn't go through unless you were going out to do laundry. And there was a wall where he had a whole collage of pictures of all kinds of different women in um, bikinis. And he told me that they were friends of his and some he didn't really know, but just took pictures of them. And it it just didn't sit right with me. And then there was a time when I passed that wall and there was my picture added to it. And it just really, really gave me the creeps. For a lot of different reasons, the relationship ultimately wasn't working for Tanya. She broke up with Luster after about four months. She says she never knew about Andrew Luster's family connections, his wealth. It never came up. But she moved on with her life. She found love, got engaged and married. But things weren't over for Andrew Luster. So Andrew actually continued to pursue me for years. This, when he would come to my job, um, he would leave notes, places. Um, He 
called. He um, made threats to my husband. And well, not really to me. He didn't make threats, but he just wanted me back. Four years after the breakup, Tonya was newly pregnant. She heard that Luster was in the news. I got a phone call from a friend who had read in the newspaper that day that Andrew Lester had been arrested for raping somebody. And I read the article, and then it said at the very end of the article, if you have any information about this person to contact the investigations bureau. She called the sheriff's department, and they had her come down to the station. When she got there, detectives recognized her. I didn't know about what Andrew did to me for four years. They asked Tanya to return another time with her husband for support. She did. She was led into a room. Her husband waited outside. A videotape had been paused to a specific frame. It was me lying there on his bed wearing the exact outfit that I wore that first night that I met him. And, I mean, being a woman, you know what outfits you wear on what occasions. And especially, I had just bought this outfit. And it was a black top, black blouse and a black long skirt. And in the video, uh, my skirt was pulled up. And they just had it on pause and just asked me if I could identify myself. Tonya says she was confused. She remembered the night, but had no idea she had been unconscious. We were, of course, drinking that night, but not in excess at all. In absolute disbelief, Tanya watched the whole video. She said it was like watching a horror movie. I was making like um, some sounds with my throat, like I couldn't breathe very well. He, um, he videotaped it and narrated the entire uh, rape. He raped me, of course. He put a lit joint in my private area and zoomed in on that, um, talking about it. He um, sodomized me. He um, had a, he had a sword. He um, had no. Um, he was so cold. He. He didn't seem to have any feelings about what he was doing to me. And I just looked like I was dead. I mean, um... Recalling that night, Tonya says the last thing she remembered was talking to Luster about the cat she had as a child. She remembers waking up the next day in his bed, but that he had insisted she had passed out and that he had brought her to sleep in his bed. I woke up and I was in his bed and I had all my clothes on. Even I was wearing um, pantyhose and I, I even had those on. I mean, everything was intact other than that my bra was twisted, which seemed kind of weird. But she was convinced by Luster's story. It just was so confusing, but he acted so natural, like... It's, you know, your mind wants to wonder, did something happen? But then at the same time, you're fully clothed and the person is acting like everything is fine. Learning in that police station what had happened to her, Tonya said she was terrified and more. I was so angry that he had done this. And then I was angry at, that I had 
had a relationship with him and moved in with him and trusted him and um, just everything. And I, um, I was newly pregnant with our daughter, um, and then I ended up having a miscarriage. Um, fortunately, our daughter was fine. It turned out I was carrying twins, and so her twin did pass away. Which I know I can't say that it's because of this, but I just feel like maybe it was. And that also really hurts me. Detectives now had three victims that they had managed to identify. They were now prepared to go to trial. The victims were identified by pseudonyms Carrie Doe, the college student, Shauna Doe, and Tanya Doe. In the second part of this story, which is available now exactly where you got this podcast, it's the episode after this one, we follow the case as it goes to trial. I will say that it was like a circus atmosphere. There was just constant hysteria coming from the defense side improper comments, outbursts, speaking objections. A bounty hunter gets involved. He said, deep down inside, dog, I knew you are going to get me. We learn what consequences Andrew Luster faced for his conviction of 86 criminal charges, including rape of an unconscious person, sodomy, and poisoning. And here's the kicker. After 25 years in prison and custody, Luster will be released soon, despite the objections of local prosecutors. I believe he continues to represent an unwarranted and unreasonable risk to public safety in the communities of Ventura County. We also check in with one of the victims who testified and learn how she's feeling now. I don't want to admit that I'm afraid, but I am afraid. Head over to kclu.org slash podcast where you'll find the text or digital versions of the podcast. The 101 is produced by KCLU Public Radio. We are NPR for the California Coast, part of the NPR Podcast Network. This episode was edited by Elisa Barber. I'm Michelle Loxton, the host and creator of The 101. If you have an idea or a story for one of our next episodes, email me at podcast at kclu.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, tell a friend about it today. And don't forget to subscribe. I'd also love it if you'd rate or review our podcast. That helps others find our podcast. This is The 101. Thanks for listening.